On this week's The Koi Gig Podcast, we had an exclusive interview with Manchester United's Ona Barrier. With those crowds and that pressure, I just love it. Listen now and make sure you subscribe to The Koi Gig Podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Football on Off The Ball With Sky Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more Live on Sky Sports Alright, it is Thursday evening Delighted to be joined by John Giles Evening John Evening Nathan How are you keeping? I'm good, thank you uh, Nervy weekend, I think to put it mildly If you're a Leeds United supporter Yeah, well there's, there's three in a minute uh, Nathan, as we know But mm. I'd say Leeds uh, look more in trouble than, than the other two yeah the psychology of it will be quite interesting it's straightforward for Leeds they have to win they're not protecting anything they've got to go out there on Sunday and somehow beat Tottenham whereas for Everton you know they could lose and stay up uh, maybe the mindset will be slightly different there yeah I, th- I think it's going to be different for them all in many ways but mm. they, it, I mean when they're in the position they're in Everton and Leeds they have to win to have a chance of, of, of uh, I mean, Everton have it mostly in their hands than the other two. You know, if they win, it doesn't matter what Leicester do or Leeds do. Mm. Uh, the two of them are down. That's a fact. So it, it, it's, it's fairly complicated, despite the fact there's only three teams in it. Uh, you know, if Everton lose, they stay on 33 points. Leicester can, Leicester can win. Leeds can win and go above, above them. And then it's between Leicester. It, it, it could all boil down to the goals against uh, Nathan, you know? Mm. The pressure of the a game... The goal difference, sorry. The yeah, the goal difference, difference yeah. The, the pressure of a game like this... Um, you know, I heard some players talking recently who've been involved in relegation scraps and of walking through the gates of the stadium and the guy in the door going, come on, lads, we need this today, knowing that if they went down, that he would probably lose his job. And... Ah, the struggle to deal with the impact that defeat would have on so many people. I know you always said you were very good at being able to cope with pressure. When you when you go back through your career, what was what was the most pressurized occasion you've ever been involved in? Uh, well, obviously, if you're near the relegation zone, that's that's the more, more pressure than mm. any 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 time. And, and I was involved in it with Manchester United, believe it or not, uh, Nathan, in 1963. Uh, we went on to win the Cup. Uh, but we played Manchester City. It was Manchester City and ourselves very, very down in the table, very down in the table. And uh, lucky enough, Manchester City went down that year and we were, were down at Main Road at that time, uh, being beaten. And we got a penalty and Albert Quicksall scored which kept us a point or two, only a point or two above City. Uh, so that was, the, that was the, the nearest I've been to a relegation. And it was very, <laughs> very worrying uh, at the particular time. You know, Manchester City were involved, Manchester United involved. And funny enough, we went on to win the Cup and we were just out of the relegation zone uh, before the Cup final, Nathan. The, the money at involved... Least, at least when I was there, we were never involved yeah. in a relegation fight. The, the money involved is obviously far, far greater now than it was back in 1963, but there's probably, you know, 10 days between that game in the league against Manchester City and then playing a cup final against Leicester. The the pressure, as far as you can remember, is, is it just a totally different thing when you're fighting for the trophy compared to when you are fighting for survival? Oh, yeah. I think fighting for survival is, is the the most 
uh, you, you you worry about. Mm. Right? You know, like if you if you obviously if you're in the cup final, you want to win the cup final, but it's not relegation. You know, if you, if you lose it, which at least we did, uh, we won it, we lost it, um, and it's a setback, but only in a certain way. You know, relegation is is going down, going into the second division. In in, in case of these, uh, the, the three teams we're talking about now, really, really dangerous. I mean, if the two of them were playing, if there was four teams involved and those three teams were involved in the semi final of the cup this week, you wouldn't have the same tension as you have now, this is really, really serious. And in this day and age, uh, going down into, into, the, into the, the league, in the next league, Nathan, uh, is, you know, the, the, you're losing the crowd, uh, you're losing the big, the big say, for Leeds, it's Leeds, if Leeds go down, they're not playing Manchester United and Manchester City and Liverpool and all the big gates that they get now. You know, you're in, you're in what was then the, sec, the second division. Everything suffers. Everybody mm. suffers. The crowd could suffer. Uh, you, you don't have the, the big payment from the television now. You know, you'd like to get a whatever it is, 150 million. I think if you go down, you get a parachute of maybe 40. Uh, so there's huge, huge uh, things at stake at, 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 um, on Sunday. I, I presume you don't want your manager reminding you of what's at stake as you go into a game like this. When you don't need it. Uh, I mean, you, you, the, the manager, in my opinion, should be trying to uh, lessen the tension mm. in it. You know, he's the man that's 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 getting the team ready. The players, uh, he's got to pick the team. He's got to get them ready. He's got to do the best he can to do it. The, the players will be nervous enough anyway. So that they need more leadership now. Th- these three teams at the weekend than ever before. The conversation around the quality of these three teams is it's probably irrelevant at this stage. You know, two months ago, we would have looked at Leicester and James Madison and Harvey Barnes and even uh, Jamie Vardy, if he got back to form, you would have looked at Leicester and thought, well, there's definitely enough quality in that team. This Sunday is about something very different, I'd imagine. It's about a bit of character. It's not about necessarily having 11 players better than the opposition. It's about which of these groups can actually take that pressure and deal with it and cope with it and somehow go out and play their best football? Well, that's what they have to do. And, and don't forget, the managers that have, co- have come in don't really know the players as mm. well. Uh, I mean, Dyche has, has his longer, but, uh, you know, Allardyce has just come in. Uh, 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 Leicester manager has just come in. Yeah, Dean Smith, in, yeah. In, in recent, Dean, Dean, Dean Smith, in, in recent times. Um, so it's it's... It's it's desperation, really, that the clubs have had to do what they've done in recent times. Allardyce coming in for four matches, Dean Smith coming in a, a little bit longer. Uh, in fact, he left a couple of the players out that you mentioned against mm. Newcastle the other day. Yeah, what did you think of that decision? <sighs> well, they've been two of their best players, Nathan. Mm. You know, like, you have to be in the manager's position, Dean Smith's position there, to know why... You know, but it looked odd that two of his best players had been left out. You know, obviously he he must have felt that they're not doing their stuff, and uh, that's what you have to do. And and that's why you know when teams are in the position that Leeds are in and Everton are in, and that it's 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 desperation uh, situation. I mean, I think Dice has handled it better than the other two because he's been there longer mm. and he knows the players. He knows his best players. And he has to he has to live with them, 
I mean, he, he is he's in the best position, as we know. I mean, he's he's playing. Who is he playing? Bournemouth, is it? On, on Sunday? Yeah, Everton at home to Bournemouth. And he knows if they win that match, end the story. Mm. You know, Leeds are in a position. If they win the match, they, they still mightn't get out of it because for what Everton do, and the same same with Leicester. You know, like definitely, uh, Dice is in the best position. There's no doubt about that. If he wins, the two of them will go down. Now, now after that, it, it could go down to goal difference, Nathan. Say if Everton lose, then it's, it's goal difference between Leeds and uh, Leicester if if they both win. You know, and, and Leeds have the worst record in the goals against yeah. uh, the goal difference. So it'd be, it'd be fascinating to see exactly what will happen, but but definitely it couldn't go better. It couldn't. I think Dice couldn't be in a better position that he's in at this particular stage now. With one match to go. Uh, Sam Allardyce, if it all comes off on Sunday, um, I know you're not his biggest fan, but uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty to say about his achievements if he can somehow get a victory for Leeds and if Everton and Leicester slip up. Have you seen anything from the three games so far that would give you hope going into that final game against Tottenham? Not really, not really, uh, Nathan. You know, like uh, Everton and Dice, I think, are in a very, very strong position there. But I haven't seen anything from Leeds at all. I mean, West West Ham last week beat them, beat them well. He's got one point from twelve since he's gone gone to it, and and last week's was 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 poor against West Ham. West Ham beat them well. And could have beat them by more. So, uh, you know, there's not much to look forward to in Leeds in, 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 in hoping that they, they do it. But in football, Nathan, as you know, you never know what's going to happen. But you, you wouldn't, if you're putting money on it now, you wouldn't put it on Leeds doing what needs to be done. Mm. Uh, but there again, they're playing against Spurs. I mean, Spurs have nothing to play for. And they've had a bad time. I mean, they were beaten last week. Like Spurs, since uh, the, the manager left uh, uh, it, early on, and they have been poor, to say the least. And they have nothing to play for. They're not going to get into Europe. They're not going to go down. So what, what's their attitude going to be like with, with a manager that's uh, not going to be there next year? Everything. So so you, you just don't know. But, but you know, on paper... Uh, Everton are certainly in the position, if they win, end of story. Mm. It's in their hands. It's not in Leeds' hands. It's not in Leicester's hands. They have to hope that Everton don't do what they should be doing or Leeds don't do it. All that, all that goes into it. But Deich is definitely in the best position in a, in a big way. Well, what we do know is that Manchester City are champions again. Uh, they are uh, well clear of Arsenal. Obviously, had that draw with Brighton last night, but it was all irrelevant after Arsenal's defeat against Nottingham Forest. Uh, three in a row for Pep Guardiola's side. Uh, joining Manchester United is the only other team to do that in the Premier League. Yeah. We, listen, we've spoken well, about five, them. It's five out of six, Nathan. Mm. You know, I know three in a row, but five out of six as well. Look, it's it's been phenomenal uh, for Manchester City and, and 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 Guardiola. No doubt about that. I mean, to come with the with the with the with the, the 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 run at the end of this season. I mean, I think Arsenal at one stage were about ten points in front. So it's been fantastic for for Manchester City to do what they did. 
the addition of Haaland, like it's hard to believe we were having a conversation at one stage of the season uh, questioning uh, whether he had uh, changed the way Manchester City play in a negative way. Uh, it has been quite remarkable what he has done. Does his addition to this Manchester City side make it the best of all those title-winning teams? Um, but what, they, what was the great goal scorer they had before? Aguero. You know what I mean? He did his stuff as well. He, he, he was phenomenal. Not as good as... Uh, as as uh, our man is now, you know he, he, he didn't. I don't think he scored as many goals, but 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 he scored a lot mm. uh, when they were winning the trophies. But Haaland has has, has been brilliant. He he was. I, I must say now, and I'm not patting myself, but I never doubted his addition to to, to Manchester City. Yeah. If somebody scored the amount of goals that he was, it's just that Manchester City weren't winning the matches at that particular time. But it wasn't his fault for somebody that was scoring the amount of goals that he was scoring all year. You couldn't say, well, you know, he's not doing what he should be doing for Manchester City. That's exactly what he was brought to do. And and it's proven to be the case as the season went along. It wasn't his fault. It was just that the team weren't playing as well as Manchester City. And it was it was it was him scoring the goals at that particular time. He's been phenomenal, there's no doubt. And then they did pick it up on the race. Not for the first time. They've done it in a few seasons. When they needed to win in the last ten or twelve matches They've done it, and they've done it in, in a spe- spectacular fashion this year. And Arsenal just melted away, really, mm. by their standards. And do you look at Arsenal melting away as a fault of Arsenal, or just inevitable because of the pressure and the brilliance of Manchester City? Well, I don't think they had the players to do it. I mean, they, 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 you know, when it came to the, the real push against Liverpool when they were winning 2-0 two, two and then they finished up in a draw, I don't think they had the players to do what needed to be done. I think they collapsed at that time. But uh, I don't know if you saw the papers over the weekend. There were some remarkable things about uh, Arteta getting a dog in the dressing room. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, I, 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 I don't get that, Nathan. You know, like to... to and the dog, what was the dog's name? The, the, what was... Win or win or something, wasn't it? That's I, what I didn't see the dog's dog. name. And Pickles is the only dog I ever know when it comes to football. Was, sorry, I was going to say, was Pickles the dog that uh, found the World Cup trophy? That's the only dog I know when it comes to uh, to football. Yeah, well, they called this dog Win, I think. Okay, and, and, didn't work. and then he had a, he had a, 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 some plant or something. They, they just like I know football is strange and it can be a very <laughs> strange situation, but. It, like, like when you, in my opinion, when you're a manager like Guardiola, you, 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 you concentrate on the team and what the team has to do, Nathan. In my opinion, that's what you do. You know, you don't be bringing a dog into the dressing room or for, for whatever reason to be, to be a good company of the players. It, I, anyway, it didn't make sense to me. But, uh, you know, they did, they do blow it. Ultimately, you know, they, 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 they lost an awful lot of matches that if you're going to win it, win the league, you have to do your business on that, and they didn't do it. Now, he has improved in the season, Arteta's from last year. At least he made a run at it, but it was a, a, a big collapse. A big collapse from, from Arsenal's point of view. Uh, Mikel Arteta said I feel like we are family and we need a dog to represent that family I carefully chose the dog and in my opinion it's the perfect representative of who we are right now her name is Wynne 
We all love winning and win needs a lot of love. So the love for win, that was basically the feeling. The reaction from the players and staff has been incredible. She's one of us. She's going to be on this journey with us together. Win needs accountability from us because we have to look after her, her emotions and what she needs. Yeah. Don't get it, Nathan. Don't get that. I mean, from my experience in football, you talk about football, you put the team right on the pitch, which is the most important thing you can do. I can't see a dog being able to do that. Uh, no matter how good it is, uh, you know, it, it just like football is football. You, you, you do what the players have to do on the pitch to win matches. That's good. you have to have the knowledge to do it. You have to have the personality to do it to to lead these particular players when they're doing it. I've never heard anything like this before. According never. to ESPN, Win wears a tag which reads, "I'm not a dog. I'm a gooner. Come on, the Arsenal." And how does that help you on the pitch, Nathan? You know, unless I'm missing something that I've uh, all, all, all my time in football and in, in, in winning trophies or uh, being on the pitch, where any time I was with a club, whether Manchester United or West Brom or, or Leeds, uh, it was always about the, the team and the football and what went wrong. How do you put it right? Uh, what players do you do? Do you need to, to give them a bit of a telling off? The other players, some players, you need to to go softly. All those, that's all football, you know. Like having a dog in the dressing room, I can't. I just don't see uh, the the uh, the merit of it. To be quite honest, I just don't. Yeah, what would Jack Charlton's reaction have been if a dog arrived in the? Well, Jack loved animals, so he might have been all right with it. Well, not in the dressing room. <laughs> You'd have a do- you have a dog at home. I always had- I had a dog for a while. I loved animals and cats and that. But I wouldn't relate them to football in any way whatsoever. You know, you love you love animals. That's great. But when you're dealing with players and you're going to the championship, or you're dealing with players in the dressing room, you have to talk about football. Okay, if if, if some lad is having a bad time and he's, 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 his wife is not well, or he's, then, then, then obviously you, you, the humanity comes into it, uh, and you do the best mm. you can with those particular players. But, but, but not an animal or a plant. I never heard of that before, ever. And, and I, don't see, I honestly don't see the benefit of it. Uh, he took an olive tree along to team meetings, symbolising the need for daily care of the squad's roots. Uh, he said, another symbol at our club is our tree. It needs a lot of care as well. It's an olive tree. It's older than 150 years, similar to the club. We have to look after those roots every single day. Make sure they don't get poisoned, don't get damaged, and it's in the right condition. Yeah, um, I don't get that either. <laughs> you know, I, I just don't. I mean, you talk about football in the dressing room. Obviously, if the lads are having a bad time at home, and that you do as a manager, you do the best you can. Uh, but it's football. You know, what happened on a Saturday? How do you put it right? And how you improve on it is, is putting things right week by week, Nathan. Mm. You know, you don't do this. You, would, you eliminate that. You eliminate that. And you get to the players and you, you, you teach them you're in the wrong position. This is all football that you do on the pitch. That this is where, where it matters. You now the fullback's in the wrong position. You tell them out, you get them out, and you, you teach them, no, you don't, you've got to be here, you've got to be there. And the team generally, the fitness, the training and all that, this is all football. That's what I was brought up with, and that's what I lived with when I went to Manchester United, uh, when I went to Leeds, uh, when I went to West Brom. It was always about football. And I was, I was player manager of the Irish team. It was all about football. 
You must have had a couple of managers, John, who did a couple of quirky things. Um, Well, I was with Matt Busby for a while. He never did anything quirky. (laughs) (laughs) I was with Don Revy. Don Don was a bit quirky and he he was superstitious. Mm. You know, Don was very superstitious. Um, But that didn't affect the the players in any way. Do you know what I mean, Nathan? If he was superstitious, and like I, I think I told you the story when I first went to Leeds in those days, you, you know, you, I got my boots in, 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 brought my boots with me from Old Trafford, uh, and had them in a, in a in a in a bag. And it was the first time I was there. I went to see him in the office and I put the boots on the table. And we were talking for a while, and he said, uh, "What's that there?" I said, "That's my boots." What? Get them off the table quick! After <laughs> that. Because it was supposed to, it was bad luck having them on. I didn't know because Don was very superstitious like that, you know. But when it came to football, you know, when we were doing something wrong, what we should have been, he was putting us right in the football, putting us right on the football attitude, their fitness, all those things, you know. That that's where he concentrated on. But we never, we never ever, I don't ever, ever heard of a dog being mentioned of coming into dressing room. Ever. Anywhere. That's the last week when I read that and, and the plant. It's the first time I ever came across anything like that, Nathan. Now, maybe I'm, I'm old-fashioned and it's come into the game, and I'm, but I never heard of it before. I dare say that poor old Wynn has been pretty disappointment, disappointed in what he's seen from the Arsenal players over the last few weeks. They've uh, let her down badly. Well, well, it hasn't worked, has it? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I mean, you could get two dogs in. I don't think it's going to work. I mean, like Arsenal had a good. I think Arteta has done a good job for them mm-hmm. last year. You know, he's got them in second in the position, which which, which they, the first time they've been there for a while. So he's made progress, isn't he? So maybe I'm wrong, uh, Nathan. But certainly when it came to the crunch, uh, they didn't do what needed to be done when when a Manchester City did. There's no doubt about that. I want to talk to you about Brighton because Roberto Zerbi has been uh, receiving a huge amount of praise for Brighton's achievement of finishing sixth. They're going to play Europa League football, but more so actually the style of football and the level of performance that he's got out of these players. I'm sure you were watching Brighton last night against Manchester City, in which was a brilliantly entertaining game. What have you made of the job that the Zerbi has done? I, I think it's remarkable, uh, Nathan. If you look... And I, I, I must look it up again. If you look at the amount of players that have been sold for quite big money mm. over the last 18 months or two years at the most, is I've never seen it before in football, where some of the best players have been sold and the team has improved. So whoever is doing the recruitment is absolutely brilliant. And I, th- I think what they've done, I think they've gone to countries, Nathan, that wouldn't be Italy and Spain and the major countries you know of to get players. And it makes sense if we look back on the World Cup and we all were were amazed at the performances of countries that weren't considered major footballing Mm. countries. And I think what they've done, whoever's done it there has been very, very clever at Brighton. If you look at their players, there's a lot of those players they've recruited from what we would consider smaller countries. Yeah, the likes of Estepinian, who's come in from, uh, well, he was at Villarreal, but is from Ecuador, uh, and Ciso, who scored that wonder goal last night from Paraguay. Uh, maybe we now include Ireland in those list of countries as well? 
Oh, well, we've always had good players mm. come from our country over the years. You know, over the years, if you look at some... Not as many players, as of late, but um, you're, you're yeah, probably seeing a bit have, more yeah, of... We, we've got the lad at, uh, at Brighton as well, mm. the recruited Evan him. Ferguson, yeah. You know, he's only, what, 19, isn't he? Not even that. Evan Ferguson is still yeah, 18. He's brilliant. You know, he's brilliant, that kid. He, he's going to be a great asset to us. But we, we've always produced players, Nathan, over the years... Uh, unlike some of the, the, say, Japan and the countries now that they're, they're bringing top players mm. from. And I think they're the first in on these players. They're amazing. And what the manager said is there's two of the players, he said, that could go. Well, if they, he said, if they've got to go, they've got to go. Which is amazing from a manager because you want to keep your best player. So he obviously must know if those players go and they get the money for them, they've got more players coming along. They've been absolutely amazing. I mean, don't forget the the other manager went to Graham Potter. Potter, you know, he did a great job while he was there. Yeah. So whoever's recruiting the players, I mean, the manager's only as good as the players he has. So the recruitment is absolutely fantastic, uh, and the way they, you know, the way they play and and the manner in which they play, having the courage to do it. Uh, I mean, the match I saw, I didn't actually see the match last uh, yesterday, but I saw the match last week. Uh, where they beat Liverpool, I think it was Liverpool they beat. They beat Arsenal, uh, Arsenal 3 Arsenal, sorry, they beat Arsenal. They killed them. Mm. Playing out from the back, Nathan. I'm not, I've never been in favour of playing out from the back. But the manner in which they played and the risks that I, I regard as risks doing it, but they did it time after time after time. I haven't seen any team doing it in the way they've been doing it. So the coach has been absolutely brilliant. And uh, they're in, they've got one of the European places next year, haven't they? Yeah, they're in the Europa League next year. It's fantastic. He's got a Guardiola probably get manager of the year. He deserves it. But this fella, this fella won't be far behind him mm. in what what they've actually done with the amount of players they've sold and the the the, the, the way they play. Uh, the players he has is absolutely fantastic. As you said, he's been very honest about what's likely to happen this summer that Alexis McAllister is going to go uh, Moises Caicedo is probably likely to go as well but he wants to retain the likes of Mitoma uh, for another season and help them progress for another year and I guess that's part of Brighton's plan that when they're attracting these young players that they will say if a big club comes in we will let you go we won't stand in your way when you look at McAllister he's been strongly linked with with Liverpool does yeah. he look like a Liverpool player? I think he's a very good player uh, uh, no, I think Arsenal are interested in him as well mm. uh, but it's just astonishing that the manager is saying look if he has to go he has to go I mean I know when I was manager I'd, I'd hate players to be gone those type of players but that's what he's, he's obviously signed on for at the, at the club to say look if, if we if we're get offers in for players then they've got to go but it, it's, it's I mean what, what, look at what they would do if they actually kept the players you know, the amount of players, the top players that they've gone. I've never seen it before in football, where you could sell as, sell as many of those players and still improve every year. Yeah. It, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, speaking of Liverpool, uh, we'll have to see what happens tonight between uh, Manchester United and Chelsea, but it looks almost certain now that Liverpool are going to miss out on Champions League football next season, uh, mm. barring a complete collapse by United. Do you look at Liverpool and the potential of McAllister coming in and you'd have to imagine two or three more players arriving during the summer and I think they need a, a, a total rebuild this summer or can one or two players make a big difference and get them back, not just competing for the Champions League, but where they want to be and that's pushing Manchester City all the way again? 
Well, I'm amazed at what hasn't happened at Liverpool. They have recruited players, you know, and then there's some matches because uh, they say, well, the midfielders get Nolan, and then some of the matches say, and they've been absolutely brilliant up to last week where they drew. They'd won what six or seven or eight matches on the bounce. Mm. You know, it's it's the consistency that we don't see from Liverpool, which is remarkable in many ways. You know, I think he's been there for seven years. Uh, you know, does it get the stage where the players don't really listen to the manager as much as they did? You don't know until you're inside the club. But certainly, it's been a bad a bad season, really bad season for Liverpool. I mean, they beat Manchester. It was at seven. You know, how do you do that in one match and then you go next week to wherever to go and one of the lesser teams and get beat? It was totally, incons- totally inconsistent uh, with Liverpool. I mean, they've signed some players as well, Nathan. I mean, it's been a bad, bad, bad season for Liverpool. And is it, you know, the manager... It, it does happen where, you know, the, the manager becomes too familiar or they don't listen to him as much as they did or whatever. It does happen, uh, Nathan. So we just have to wait and see. But I think the, the amount of players that they have and the calibre of players that they have at Liverpool has been a really, really bad season for them. Mm. The two familiar um, potential is interesting because I think some Liverpool supporters would accuse Klopp of that, that he he has seen a lot of these players achieve real greatness at the club over the last three or four years and win titles and win Champions League and that he's almost too loyal that he probably sees things in training thinks they can get to that level on a regular basis that just isn't happening on the pitch that that I guess is a difficult thing for managers as well the players who have given him so much to know the right time to cut them loose well well, exactly I mean in football as you know yesterday yesterday's gone yesterday's gone you know as the song says and, and you have to keep on top of it week in, week out, year in, year out. Uh, and it can happen. I mean, I think it's happened to Klopp before. I mean, he's, he's had previous clubs where he's been seven years there and and, and, he, and, he, and he's left. And he's been remarkable for the seven years. But he hasn't been remarkable this year in terms of the inconsistency. You know, we, we were all talking before the Manchester United match about uh, the players being old and they're not doing this, they're not doing that. They go out on that day and they have a, man, have a Manchester United 7-0. Well, how are you able to do that in one match and not do it in the next match, Nathan? That's what makes the great teams because they're consistent in their effort in every match. You know, you see, you see Manchester City, uh, they had a, a bad spell, but they came back and back and back to do what they did over the last few years. Liverpool, for a long time, in the, with Klopp, have done it. As you say, they won the Champions League, they've won the league, they've won the Cup. He's been a remarkable manager all those years. So why all of a sudden... We, we can ask ourselves, it's happened this season. You know, was it was Salah getting the new contract? Did that come into it? You know, because that can happen, you know, the, the, the money money corrupts. Uh, it can happen. That, well, why is he getting more than us? And It can happen in a club. That could be... But, but you have to be inside the club to know exactly the, the, the spirit or the lack of spirit with these players, these are terrific players, and the players they bought, the forwards, are excellent. They're excellent, but it hasn't been the Liverpool that we know the Liverpool team to be over the last few years. And maybe it's time that it, it and it has happened before, 
where they do need a change of manager or what can he do to get them back to where we know they can be. That's the manager's job. And we haven't seen that this year at Liverpool. John, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you next Thursday. Yeah. Thanks, Nathan. Speak to you then. John Giles with us every Thursday night here on Off The Ball. Of course, if you miss any of that, you can get all of the podcasts with John on the OTB Podcast Network. Football on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports.